I'm Paul Higgins, an ex-corporate executive turned business owner who for five years struggled to grow a cloud consulting business whilst battling a chronic disease. With the help of mentors and experts, I got the business model right, built a sales and marketing engine and developed a high-performing team that ended in a successful exit. I received a kidney transplant from a mate and now on my second life, I dedicate my time to helping other cloud consultants scale quickly with less effort to enjoy life. Detecting an accent, I'm an Aussie working globally from Melbourne, Australia. I interview successful cloud consultants sharing their scaling stories to give you inspiration and practical tips. I have dedicated experts Four cloud consultants on the show to save you time and money by working with the right people. If you want to scale quickly with less effort to enjoy life, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Paul Higgins and welcome to the Cloud Consultant Show, episode number 495. Today's topic is fractional sales and you'll learn a lot, but in particular, you'll learn why go with fractional sales versus doing it yourself or using agencies how best to use it and maximize. And he gives some fantastic specific examples. And the third thing is how he uses AI and how you can use it as well. If you're a first time listener, welcome. And it's great to have you here. Please subscribe if you love what you hear. And if you're a regular, uh, always welcome your feedback. Just email me at paul at paulhigginsmentoring.com. Uh, tell me what topics you've covered. And obviously, I'd love to know that you're a listener and you'll get a full summary within the show notes. And also, you can get the full transcript at paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash podcast. It's episode 495. And before we go on an interview with Harris, I'd like to thank our sponsors. The first is the Cloud Consultants Collective. It's the world's only revenue-focused collective for cloud consultants. Forget ChatGDP, Google, YouTube. Just go to your peers, ask a question, and get immediate practical-based questions. Don't believe me? Try it for yourself at the cloudconsultantscollective.com for free today. And also uh, the Workflow Academy. If your top performers are feeling overwhelmed and you want them to have someone that removes that admin side from them, well, uh, Workflow Academy is the right place for you. We've got highly trained junior talent that come in and supplement your top talent. And there's also some government-backed funding for US clients to help. Why don't you just go to find out more at paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash WFA. So today's guest is Harris Kenny. He's the founder of Intro CRM, a sales agency based in Denver, Colorado. He builds scalable systems for sales teams, integrating with HubSpot and Close. He has been in sales for over 13 years and he's helped drive tens of millions of dollars in revenue for emerging technologies and service businesses. He uses specific examples in here of companies that he's worked for within our space. And he's been doing this fractional sales around four and a half years. So what I'll do now is hand you over to Harris Kenny from introcrm.com. Fantastic to have you here, Harris. Thanks for having me, Paul. Yeah, look, I'm really excited about today's topic. You know, we really haven't had anyone talking fractional sales. We've had someone in talking about, you know, a lot to do with LinkedIn, a lot to do with lead generation, a lot to do with sales in general. But I think, you know, this is a great topic for you who you know that, you're, you're drowning, you're doing too much project work, you're doing too much delivery, you want to spend more time on sales, but you don't often get to it. And, you know, hiring someone internal can be very risky, right? So this is where Harris will come in. But uh, I'll let you say it better than I will. You know, who's your ideal client and what problems you love to uh, solve for them? Absolutely. So I'll just 
answer that question by saying the client where I'm the most confident that we can get return for them is where they have a little bit of traction with what they're doing, where they've got ideally a, a marketer and marketer who knows what they're doing, who's been around the block, not just like a college graduate who's runs their social media pages. <laughs> and ideally at least one, if not a couple salespeople. And the reason why those things matter is when you're talking about bringing on fractional sales, you know, you can have an agency or a freelancer do cold email for you, cold calling, LinkedIn. You could go to trade shows, door to door, you know, but when we're talking about cloud consulting companies, we're, you know, we're really talking about digital stuff. Yes. And the first question is like, where do I point them? They're going to say, who do you want to sell to? And if you have some data, enough data where you have a marketer who's running campaigns and thinking about that problem and creating content on a website that speaks to an audience, and you have salespeople who are following a process that they can get a discovery call. They can ask five to 10 questions that they know are important to qualify the lead. They can do a demo or they can sort of present a capabilities deck about how they can help the customer. If you have those things, then it's just much more likely that if you run any given email campaign or calling or LinkedIn campaign, it's just much more likely that they will be successful because the hunch or hypothesis that we get from a client it has more experimentation behind it. So when they say, I think this industry in this region, here's why, it's more likely to succeed. So I've been doing fractional sales for four and a half years now. I don't know when this is going to come out, but about four and a half years. And you know, like most of these campaigns are not successful. It's really hard to spin up new business this way, but it is a lever that you can control. And there are things you can do to increase your odds. And so I would say, you know, for especially earlier stage companies, we can talk about how to reverse engineer this process I described before, where those are most likely to succeed. But if you're not there yet, we can talk about, okay, well, how could you get in that direction so you can increase your odds of success, right? And I think that's a really worthwhile conversation. I, I wish I could say, like, I have the system and go to my website and it's $1,000 for the course and, you know, you'll never have to work again. But it's, unfortunately, it's it's really hard. <laughs> yeah. So let's say I've got one salesperson, I'm a, you know, Salesforce partner, HubSpot partner. Oracle, Zoho, whatever uh, partner. So I've got one salesperson and I might say, okay, well, I want to get, you know, predominantly my leads are coming from the platform partner themselves. So some send you leads, some don't, but I really want to self-generate. And that natural referral pipeline, that gravy line is sort of starting to end, right? And Or I want a particular vertical or, or niche. I want to go specifically after someone. And, you know, I've got some outbound agencies that I could go to, or I've got you as a, a fractional uh, sales offer. You know, how do I make the choice between which one? Like which one suits a particular situation and which one is better suited to your situation? Yeah, this is an interesting question because it really, I think, comes down to what level of involvement you want as an owner. So I think anybody that has the title CEO, owner, founder, partner in their LinkedIn, they are probably getting emails at least every day saying, you know, I can do cold outreach for you and we only charge for attend booked meetings or, or whatever. And so that's like one end of the spectrum where you don't have a lot of visibility, but you have an agency that is just going to go out. They're going to, you're going to give some minimal inputs and they're just going to run the engine and send lots of email. And you don't know the denominator of that. Like you don't know if they sent a hundred emails to get you a meeting or a thousand or 10,000 yeah. or a hundred thousand. I would say those types of campaigns at those types of agencies tend to be more successful you know, your offer is really what's going to make or break those campaigns where if you have like good relevance and a good offer where the it's de-risked for the prospect, where it's easy for them to say yes. It's like, you know, if you have a Shopify thing where you say, look, if you plug this in, I can guarantee you, you'll increase your cart to checkout rate by 20%. And if you don't, you don't pay or yes. we'll pay you or something. It's like, well, okay. 
that is something that someone can run for you relative on autopilot. But when we talk about these cloud consulting firms where it's very nuanced, the other end of the spectrum is you want total control where you'd either do it yourself or hire someone and really closely manage them. And so I think that's like the first question you need to ask yourself is where do I think my offer is on that spectrum? You may have a partner who, a HubSpot partner, for example, who has a HubSpot app that does have a good freemium or some other way to get people in the door where a transactional email does work for them. And then they use the app and they are maybe maintaining their database better. And then they all of a sudden want to help with an integration. And that's where you come in. So it's, it's possible to be a cloud company and have an offer like that. Yes. But a lot of them don't. And so if you don't, then probably if you want to increase your odds of success, you're probably going to want to be more involved and you're going to be thinking a lot about segmentation yes. and okay, yes, I work with this type of, you know, landscaping company, what kind of headcount, what kind of region, what kind of problems do they have, what kind of tools do they use and, and what case studies can I lean on? And, and in those situations, I would say you're really trying to extrapolate. So if you have like one great customer, you're trying to extrapolate from those conversations, from that work, like what was the problem they, they think they thought they had, they think what we're solving and what sort of seasonality or what other goals do they have that I can use to try to create a campaign. And if, if it's like that type of nuanced thing, it's going to be really hard to have a super fractional, super outsourced agency because they're just not going to see the nuance. Whereas you, if you're in it close to it, it's sort of on you to like read between the lines and say, okay, this is the thing. This is the reason why. And, and let me go test this message. Yeah. So so if, if I got this right, so an agency, like you said, you've got a very defined offer, you've got a defined market and, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, booking calls and there's not a lot of strategy involved, right? Because that's already been done. Whereas where you might come in more as the fractional salesperson is actually, you got one example, but we're not quite sure how we expand that, how we get more of this and there's more strategy involved. That's maybe where you would come in because you're actually going to provide the strategy that supports getting the calls booked rather than just a, you know, a spray and pray if I'm being a little unkind to some of the agencies I've worked with. Yeah, I think that broadly speaking, that's that's true. You know, that's where we're starting to use GPT, and we can talk about that. I know that that's something that you're interested in from you know just seeing your stuff online. You know, that's where you can use automation to like where you would normally like maybe five or ten years ago you would hire some college graduates or some entry level people and say, look, pour through this, go through these websites, find these things, come up with some you know value propositions that we could explain to them why NetSuite can help them improve their manufacturing operations and you know increase uh, inventory turnover or whatever. Increasingly, like I think we're starting to see that AI can be used to do some of those things, but it's really nuanced. So yeah, yeah I, I think a spray and pray approach it honestly can work. There's certain types of offers where like HR, like Rippling and Deal and Gusto and some of these companies that do payroll services every two weeks or more frequently, potentially, basically every business on the planet is paying people. Yes. And so, you know, you might catch someone at the right time where they say, oh yeah, we just actually hired somebody in Brazil and we have no idea how to, you know, whatever, be compliant with that. So there's certain types of things where the odds are in your favor and, you know, you're more likely to get somebody, but there's others where like, you know, a big ERP implementation, it's like a multi-year project. It requires tons of buy-in from lots of stakeholders. Like it's just, you're just not going to get somebody in one email with that. <laughs> yeah, yes. Unless, unless I was at one exception, unless they're like on a legacy system. There's, okay. There's a couple exceptions to this legacy system that's being discontinued or a current provider that's like increasing prices. There are some campaigns I've seen, like we work with a NetSuite partner where the reply rates are like 
astronomically high. There are some times where these moments happen, where even if you are a partner within an ecosystem that's been around for a long time, it has lots of saturation. There are still moments that happen in those markets where the less refined, you know, outreach approach can work. Because if you're if you're catching everybody, if there's tens or hundreds or thousands of companies that are asking the same question, you can get lucky, but you are getting lucky. That is not a lever that you could rely on to pay payroll. It's just like somebody out there messed up. <laughs> we can seize on the opportunity, if that makes sense. Great. So we sort of talked about, you know, the agency versus yourself. What about bringing someone on board, you know, an internal person? Why would someone go with you versus, say, you know, hiring someone internally? Yeah. I think that the most important thing to nail down is what is it that I'm hiring this person to do? The customers that we tend to work with tend to have complex, and I think your listeners too, complex deals, yes. lots of questions, deep discovery, lots of reasons things can go wrong. And so an account executive type hire who's going to be empathetic, who's going to maybe have industry experience, like I cannot do that job for someone. And I would argue that very few, if no people could really do that fractionally. Maybe if you get someone half time or something like that. Yes. But I would I would say no less than that to be an account executive where they're like managing deals on your behalf. And maybe they're half time because they have like some family obligation or something. They're not like working multiple jobs. They just maybe literally don't have that much time, but you know that you have their attention generally and and that their incentive is to help you bring in new deals. So that would be where I would say we not only can we not do that, even if we tried, we wouldn't be as good. And I would say you hire somebody that has expertise. Yes. Like obviously, you know, leadership type roles, or if you're trying to, you know, open a new market, I think having someone who's maybe is local and understands a market, like a client yes. of ours has been really successful with that, actually expanding into Australia by having some, you know, folks on the ground there where, and it doesn't have to be me, I would say other people like me, where I feel like the value is what people perceive as entry-level roles of SDR or a BDR, that job is actually getting a lot harder. Yes. Uh, spam filters, cost of data. There's a lot of teams where those people, their work is just like, no one's seeing their emails. Yes. <laughs> no one's getting their calls. Like everything is just getting sent to spam. So I actually think that the sort of entry-level positions, I think there's over time going to be fewer of them. And I think it's going to become more of a technical technical thing because oh, it's a hard job. But yeah. if you have a playbook figured out and you have infrastructure or you want to invest in the infrastructure and you want to own it and you want to own the domains, you want to own the emails, then you should bring in that person and, in, and know that what you're doing is you're going to invest in them upskilling and a decent chunk of their job is going to have to be you know, getting better at that job. You can't just be like, here's a Zoom info license and an email address and a phone number. And if you're not paying for yourself in two months, you're fired. Like that, yeah. I don't think is fair to the rep. Whereas there was a, probably a time, you know, a few years ago where you could be like, yeah, here you go. You have the best data. And, but it's just, it's just getting too hard, I think. Yeah. And, and I think the other benefit I know when we've used someone like yourself in the past is that, you know, you're seeing multiple accounts. So like you said, you know, a NetSuite partner, you've actually, you know, you've already seen where it works, et cetera. Whereas sometimes if you, bring someone in in-house, they're only seeing your work, right? And depends on the yeah. experience base, et cetera. So, you know, you are testing across multiple. And I know there's always Chinese walls. So, you know, the information, you know, the privacy is there, but there's always learnings that apply across. So I think, you know, that's a that's a huge benefit when you're using someone from a fractional expert. It's no different when you use a consultant or an expert versus where you've got someone that, you know, is just on one account, which is yours, right? They're not, yeah. not learning that as much. So now let's talk about the type, right? So, you know, there's obviously different 
uh, types of outbound. You know, there's uh, LinkedIn through to email you've mentioned through to you know other social media, etc. Now, if you look at say that Netsuite partner, maybe a good example may not, but you know w- what sort of the mix of channels that you see work for this type of audience? Yeah. My overall recommendation is, so I don't know how common this term is, but like an all bound approach, right? So the idea of, I think every company, once they get a certain level of traction should be running, relying on both inbound and outbound. So and and outbound, the type of channel is going to change by the market. We very much focus on email. Now, what we're moving to, and I'm really excited about this direction because a lot of times the trade-off is if you're all in on one platform, whatever CRM it may be, that platform is going to move at the pace that the whole platform can move at. Whereas you have these purpose-built tools that can be really leading edge where they have these really niche features. I mean, I can give some specific examples of what I'm talking about, but you know, when you talk about cold email, it takes a lot to land in the inbox these days. And there are specialty platforms that have really incredible things built in that get you there, but you're in a vacuum. Yes, You're isolated from your main system of record. And so what we're working on is pushing from an outbound engine back to CRM. We're a HubSpot partner, so back to HubSpot. And then when you get that reply to that email, which we're using as our sort of leading channel, then upon reply, enriching those contacts yes. to get the LinkedIn, to get the phone so that if you can, okay, at least there's a pulse here. We've got some sign of life. You could do direct mail as well. Then let's go omni-channel to try to increase our odds of getting a conversation started. Um, so that's kind of where we're going. I think omni-channel gets tricky you know, LinkedIn is very, they police the platform a lot. Uh, direct mail, you know, you really want to have consent before you send someone a package. So I think email is the lowest friction to get out there, but I don't think that, especially if your deal value is, you know, six figures and up, it's like, you know, you can afford to send them a, something, you know, a $50 basket or whatever. So, and I, especially if, you know, they've gone through these multiple levels of you found the company, you validated the email, you sent it, they opened it, they replied. It's like, at that point, that lead is worth more than just somebody random from a database. So, so that that's kind of where we're going. I think different companies are going to have different answers to that. But I would say know the rules of the road that you're on from a compliance perspective. That's really important because phone versus LinkedIn versus email, different geographies are just going to have different rules. And you want to, I think you want to try to be mindful of that uh, for a lot of reasons. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. And let's say I know that you're on the advisory board for Apollo dot. IO, which we use for a lot of our, you know, get the original data, the lists, et cetera. So for example, uh, you know, I'm working with a marketing cloud expert at the moment. And what they want to know is, you know, who are the people in a particular segment that have got marketing cloud uh, using it? So how does a tool like Apollo, are they, is that the best tool or are there other tools where you actually want to find what somebody's already using uh, from a software point of view when you're uh, doing outreach? Yeah, I want to very make sure I understand marketing cloud. You're talking about Adobe Marketing Cloud? No, I'm talking about Salesforce Marketing Cloud. Salesforce Marketing Cloud. Okay, yeah. good. I'm glad I asked. <laughs> okay, so this is a really, really good. Like, there's a lot to unpack with this question. So, Apollo is a database provider. I think it's a great platform. I've used it for a long time. I've used others. I really like it. The challenge with relying on any one database is that you depend on the type of data that they have within that database. So, yes. Salesforce Marketing Cloud, like, that's a very specific technographic filter that you'd want to apply to see if a company is using that tool. I haven't run that specific search in Apollo, so I don't know if they have it or not. I know they have technographic data, but let's just say they don't. It's like, well, of course, every data provider wants you to subscribe to their thing. But an approach that I'm seeing, so clay.com is a tool that we use 
we use Apollo and Clay, and Clay allows us to stitch across a bunch of other tools. So I would first look in Apollo to say, hey, can I find this there? Or if I can't, some tools are easy to find because the, like if Marketing Cloud is hosting assets and therefore it's discoverable through the site, maybe you could use like a builtwith.com yes. to see sites that are, you know, have files that, you know, SFMC dot whatever. I don't know, whatever the, the, whatever, however they give away that they're hosting the file, but they may not have it. Let's say like, well, this is one of these tools like a Slack where it's not publicly available, then there are other sources you could look to. So for example, you could look to LinkedIn to see people that work at this company that have like a certain skill or certification. You could also look at job data to see postings where they're hiring, let's say marketers who have experience with Salesforce Marketing Cloud. But the, each of these is like different data sources potentially. And so Clay is interesting because it allows us to hit dozens of different data providers depending on what we need. And so in some cases, we need an email address. Yes. In other cases, we need an email plus a mobile. In other cases, we need email plus mobile plus direct, um, mailing address. And so it allows us to also basically like pay for what we need and not pay for more. But that's not just about saving money because sometimes like if a lead is so valuable where we say, okay, well, I don't want to pay you know, more than whatever, a dollar for a phone number, unless the company has over a hundred employees and they're growing at 10% or more. If they're, if they meet those criteria, honestly, I would pay more for that lead because it's yes. worth it. Yes. And so it allows you to do those types of conditional formatting. So, you know, you don't just have to use clay.com. I mean, clay really is just basically a, a, has API connection into a bunch of other tools yes. um, and they make it easy. But I would say, yeah, you start with data. If you don't want to do that, if what, what I'm talking about just sounds like boring and nauseating to you, I would say, just think about what is the type of data that you feel like is most likely to be useful. You don't have to buy the quote, most expensive, best on the market, because there's chances that that most expensive, best on the market doesn't have the data you need, or it just isn't worth the price. So Apollo is a great tool to get started and run some smaller campaigns and test and see like, oh gosh, I really wish I had like this. If I could answer this, then... I could build a better list and, and then you either go clear out or you find another provider that has that type of data nailed down. Yeah, quite. But the more traction you have, the more confident you can be being like, this is the data I want, right? Yeah, yeah. And and I think, you know, the, the key thing you're probably thinking here is that that's why you get someone in who's an expert that does this every day because it starts to get tricky and complicated and like, you know, everyone wants data that's, you know, perfect the first time around. But as you got by Harris's answer, you know, it's, it's not that easy, right? So um mm -hmm. Yeah, that's where the nuances of getting someone that does it every day and knows the different types of tools and how to use them is is the bonus. You briefly talked about chat GDP before, but AI, like how, how's AI impacting your role at the moment? You know, how are you using it? Give us yeah. some examples. Yeah, totally. I'll go through a few and you tell me if, which, if any of these sound interesting and I could we could talk about it more. Sure. So one thing we're playing around with is called Draft Studio. It's a really simple, basically interface skin to some GPT prompts and that we've been working on, on our clients' campaigns yep. where we're writing, it, it does two things. One, it rewrites your email. So the requirement is that you have to have a first email. You have yes. to have an idea of who your recipient is and your offer. And then it'll basically like spin up variations of that email. So you can test so that when you, if you email a list of a thousand people, you don't use the same email a thousand times. So you can see, oh, well, maybe not that short email was, that was the ticket, that two yes. sentence version of my five paragraph essay 
a two sentence one works better. Uh, and then we also have a, the other piece of it generates spin text, which is basically like alternative synonyms for different words and phrases so that you have more like variance between your emails, which helps with deliverability. So that's one thing we're doing is like on the drafting composing side. Another thing we're doing is on generating variable texts to go inside of the emails. So for example, looking at a site Shopify, like site description, and then saying like summarize in like basically two or three words, what types of products this company sells. So that in an email, you know, you, you wouldn't just say, you know, Oh, it looks like you have a Shopify store. You'd be like, you know, I know that you're selling hats for dogs at your site. And I'm wondering how often you're dealing with like checkout abandoned cart issues. So distilling down something about the company to, to feel more personalized to them. Another more advanced play, it's the same idea, but it's going a lot further is feeding LinkedIn descriptions to a model. So there's like a little bit of back and forth required and then having it suggest ideas that the recipient client could do. So if you're in the case of like doing a creative service or something where there's a lot of like judgment required in terms of what you're providing, it's not a hard product, but it's, it's a little more malleable, you know, like it, let's say you were like working with manufacturers and you had like a alternative financing product where it's like, they can't get access to credit through a traditional bank, but they have a solid business. It's just for whatever reason, that's hard for them. You know, you could have GPT suggest ways that they could deploy alternative capital if they had it as a way of getting their attention of like, look, you know, manufacturing companies like yours have used it to secure better pricing, unit pricing on their inputs, whatever, have flexibility for play payroll periods. If a customer is late paying you back, stuff like that, but generate lots of variations of that. These examples are in order to be done at scale, we, again, we used clay.com for this, but there are GPT plugins for Google Sheets. And the idea is like, you want to come up with a set of parameters and you want to have a spreadsheet and you want to run this prompt through one or dozens or hundreds of times. So you can get those like little twists on the copy. Those are the main four things that we're doing today with GPT that I feel like are tangible, you know, and like useful, like we're getting better results than we would have. Otherwise it would be too expensive to pay a person and maybe not even worth it. Like the output wouldn't even be as good. Another one that's kind of fun is job titles. Yeah. So I had a customer say, Hey, I want to sell anybody that has like a revenue role. And I was like, yeah, but if you could give me more job titles, I could find more context for you. And they were like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like I don't have a ton of ideas. And so I, I like did a little bit of back and forth with chat GPT and it gave me like 15 other job titles I could use. And I was able to build a, like a much bigger list. That was really helpful because like the Apollo and LinkedIn and all these tools require you to search. And if you don't know what to yeah. search for, then it's like, well, how am I going to find them? Yeah, um, yeah. That's, that's, that's a great example. And I often, that was we, really good. Yeah. We, we come up against that. And what version of chat GDP using mm. Good question. So for that Drive Studio product, we just moved up to 3.5 Turbo, which I was excited about. So that's what we're using for most of the kind, most of the time. But on these ones that we're talking about, like the one where you're having it like suggest ideas of like how they would use financing or suggest job titles, I'm using 4.0 for that. But the like distill this down, rewrite this, generate synonyms, those I'm able to use 3.5 and it works great. And it's yeah. a, lot, a lot faster and cheaper. Yeah, brilliant. So, and has it got to the point where you are getting, you know, is it fast results? Like, you know, where do you see it sort of playing out? Because, you know, obviously it's uh, augmentation. I think, you know, the whole thing of, you know, it's going to replace people, I think is not in the short term, but it's, you know, it's meant to make people faster. No different to what the, the web has done, no different to what computers done, no different to phones done, right? You, you're ultimately mm -hmm. just doing things faster. How, how have you seen the actual results play out by using it? 
Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think that's been my experience 100%. I don't think GPT in and of itself is going to replace a lot of people, but I think that like a salesperson who's using it effectively will replace a salesperson who isn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, or just sort of like, like, and I think that would play out for a lot of different types of jobs, but it, it's only it's garbage in, garbage out, you know, and that's where I think the experience and the insight that people have is, is really important. I mean, I yeah. wish we could just sell without having to do anything. I mean, that'd be great. We would yeah, be no. infinite, infinite abundance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, correct. I think if anything, you know, it is that domain knowledge, you know, becomes more and more important because yes, we've done yeah. the, we've done the, the non-personalized blasting and everyone's over that. And uh, I think, you know, now it's using this using chat GDP and using some of the tools that you mentioned, whether it's Apollo or Clay, et cetera, to actually get more personalized. That's the way that we're using the technology now, rather than just ways to try to hit people with the same message faster. Right. So yeah. Um, yeah. And totally. I think, yeah. And I think that's where, you know, you, once again, bringing your domain experience to the table can help you as a cloud consultant, uh, get there a lot quicker than, you know, trying to learn it yourself or trying to, play the hiring game, which is, you know, it, let's face it, it's fraught with danger. I think the hardest role to ever employ in someone's business is the sales role. So I think this is, um, you know, an option. And that's why we brought Aris on as an, as an option to, to look at. But what we're going to do now is go into the rapid fire. We're going to, yeah. I'm going to ask you four questions and then we'll uh, round out the interview. So the first one is, you know, what are some of the daily habits you do to help grow your business? Daily habits to help grow the business. Well, I, this is not business related, but I've been doing uh, 30 air squats, 30 push-ups, and 30 sit-ups every morning, just as like yeah. a benchmark to see like physically how I'm feeling going in the day. I've been trying to tap into that because we had a I had a tough family year last year. That yeah. is the only thing that I am literally doing every single day right now. I've been doing that for a little while. And it's been a really helpful check-in to like just see like, oh, I'm kind of tired, kind of sore. So yeah, that is my, my literal answer, but I would say my businessy answer would be what I'm trying to focus on is like, what do I do to make sure that I'm keeping the engine running, that I always have some idea that I'm testing. I mean, I do it every day, maybe every other day, but make sure I have at least one campaign live so that I'm trying to learn something all the time. Yeah. Brilliant. And the next is where do you learn? So, you know, where do you go to learn more about growing intro CRM? Yeah. Well, LinkedIn, honestly, I'm on LinkedIn a ton. And I, I do the bell thing where I follow posts from other people. I'm also in a couple of WhatsApp groups. That's kind of more for like growth hacker type, you know, folks where they really got to get in the weeds. But that's been a really good learning for me, for sure. Yep, brilliant. And the, the next one is, um, if I could grant you one wish for introcrm.com, what would that be? Oh, man, that's a really big one. I feel like we do have this customer where this customer type where we're serving them incredibly well. And I would love to just figure out like what I'm missing to go out and find more. I mean, I, I have the same problem that my customers do. Yeah. So it's like, what are the pieces I'm missing? I think some of this integration stuff that we're working on is part of that puzzle. I've been doing this for four and a half years and it feels like this project is like working incredibly well. And it's like, what are the pieces I'm missing in order to figure out how to do more of that? Because it's really fun when it works. It's really, really fun. And this client is growing a ton and they're hiring more people and it's just like a blast. But it's hard when projects don't work and it's frustrating. So yeah, I'm just trying to wrap my head around what am I missing there to to do more of that because it is fun. Yeah, great. And well, the last question is related to that. But you know, you're four and a half years in now. What what do you know now that you wish you had have known earlier? It takes way more time than I thought. I mean, it's totally self funded. You know, it's it hasn't been a company that have, would have had has assets or or be sort of fundable. But so it's been it's been required a lot more patience and experimentation than I thought. Uh, in the beginning, for sure. I mean, I have the schedule flexibility. I'm around a ton for my daughter and for our, for my family. So I, I th it has been worth it. Like, I think it's been more 
it's been harder in ways that I was just not expecting. When I worked for people, it was like, oh, you just work hard and you get promotions and stuff. And this is, it just requires like a whole different level of mental engagement. Yeah, spot on. There's a lot more blank sheets, isn't there? Uh, (laughs) Totally. You know, like um, my wife and I just, you know, both had some uh, time off for various reasons. And uh, yeah, I sort of come back to a blank sheet of paper. She comes back to all this work that she has to do, right? It's it's very (laughs) different, as we all know, running our own business versus uh, working for someone else. But yeah, look, my was, boss just doesn't know what he's doing. The guy yeah, is on. just clueless. <laughs> spot on. Every day he could be uh, something completely different. So, uh, look, it was great, great talking to you, uh, Harris. So we've been talking to Harris Kenny, uh, episode 495 of the Cloud Consultants show. And you can find out more about Harris at his LinkedIn. He does post some, uh, some fantastic content and he's very regular in his posting and consistent, good quality. Uh, you'll get some great benefits. So go and follow him. And also you can go to introcrm.com and all the, the links will be in the show notes as well. But uh, pleasure having you on, Harris. And, uh, and thanks for sharing your wisdom around fractional sales and more importantly, how you can increase sales with doing less work yourself, which I think always helps. Thank you. It's a privilege. That was a great interview with Harris. What a fantastic guy. Very open and sharing, like you said, and he'll give you an honest answer, which isn't often what his peers would do in this space. But why don't you share what you learned from him on LinkedIn? Like I said, he's quite prolific. So uh, reach out to him on there. If you know anyone that could benefit from this, please share it with them. They'll think you're an absolute rock star for doing so. Check out our solo shows. And if you're scaling your cloud consulting business and want a blueprint on whether you've got the right elements in place, just go to paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash blueprint to get your free copy today and please take action to make your ambitions a reality learning is just one piece of the puzzle it is now time for action head to today's show page at paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash podcast get the links and put it into action head to your favorite podcast platform subscribe rate and review the show suggest topics for me to cover at paul at paulhigginsmentoring.com And don't wait one more minute to gain access to content, especially for you, a cloud consultant, at paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash newsletter. This could be the difference between wasting time figuring it out yourself or scaling quickly with less effort to enjoy life.